This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Technology is certainly changing many of the things that we deal with on a daily basis. One area that is also changing is the relationship that companies have with their consumers. It is a vital area that in some cases can be the difference between success and failure of a company. Big data, of course, more so than ever. We'll be pushing some of the changes in marketing and advertising. Wharton's Jerry Wynn and Catherine Hayes delve into this area in their new book called Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touch Points. They're also co-founders of the Future of Advertising program here at Wharton. And you also hear them weekly, Wednesdays, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, as part of the Marketing Matters show right here on Sirius XM 111. Jerry, great to see you again. Catherine, nice to meet you for the first nice time. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks Thank for, you having very much. for having us. Great to have you. Uh, obviously, this plays off of a lot of the, the work and the research that you guys have, have looked into as to what we're going to see over the next 30, 40, 50 years in terms of advertising. But just thinking maybe even in the last 10 to 15 years, how significantly has technology kind of changed the playing field for companies, for marketing, for, for advertising, for consumers? Huge, huge changes. Uh, the, the major change is what is done to consumers because it empowers the consumers. So consumers now basically can get information on any brand they want to buy, the features, recommendations, pricing. Uh, at a moment, uh, kind of interest. They can be in a store uh, looking at uh, some products, and they can basically get on Amazon and try to find out uh, better prices. Yeah. So the one of the major impact of the technology has been uh, the availability of com- technology, and especially mobile. Uh, every every minute of a person's life, you know, you can hardly separate now the person from his mobile phone. Uh, which uh, changes dramatically the whole field of marketing because, in a sense, the consumer now has access uh, to all information. There's no longer this information asymmetry where the manufacturer, the marketer, had the information and the consumer was at mercy not knowing what's there. The consumer now has more information than the marketer. The consumer is in control. The consumer (laughs) is skeptical. Consumer don't trust uh, advertising. That's the reason you have technology leading to the possibility of ad blockers. Yeah. And consumers are basically saying, sending a very clear message to advertisers, we hate your advertising, we want to block it. And the advertisers, unfortunately, instead of listening to this and saying, okay, let's change and follow at least some of the guidelines we have in the book, they say, okay, let's block the ad blocker, which is the dumbest thing they can do. So from the consumer point of view, the technology has changed everything. And then from the media point of view, look what's happening in terms of digital advertising today. Uh, So digital advertising is really taking over to a large extent from the traditional one. But it's one component has to be viewed as part of integrated whole. So technology has been a major, major force of change as an enabler for some of the changes we've been seeing. And and do the consumers... As you just said, the consumers have more information than, than the marketers themselves. The consumers, I think a lot of them realize the increased power that they have in this process now more so than ever. And that's a big shift 
from say you know when I was younger back in you know in the seventies. It's really changed the the nature of the relationship um, from one where you had no choice but to watch a certain number of channels and see a certain number of ads, and that's what it was. So yeah. the power was truly in the hands of the marketer. But now that's shifted, and I think the marketers who are really forward-thinking are actually excited about it. It's a shift from being sort of feeling like they're totally in control of what the uh, conversation is around their brand to actually being part of a conversation, bringing yeah. consumers in, bringing people in, um, so that they're part of a cultural zeitgeist, in fact, and being part of people's lives. The book itself, who's it, who's it really, who are you trying to reach? And, and, with, and what's the, the main theme that you want to bring forth to people? Well, there's really several audiences. And I think as we, as we started, we really thought it was about for the industry. Um, with right. all the tremendous changes going on, advertisers and marketers and agencies, sort of the, the advertising ecosystem, that was our primary audience because mm -hmm. there was such change, such cataclysmic change going on from the, the things that Jerry just talked about. Um, but as we got into it, we really found that the, these changes and the differences in the relationships between the brands and the people whom they're trying to reach is affecting across the whole company, the entire C-suite. So the marketers are now seeing that some of their best uh, collaborators internally are the CIO because yeah. making sure that um, the message is consistent throughout the corporation becomes really huge because if you've got uh, a consumer seeing one thing over here and a very different message over there, that disconnect uh, you know, turns them off immediately. Um, and then the other great new friend that they have found is, is the head of HR because they've realized that the messages that are out there in the past for just consumers are really for potential employees. Mm -hmm. And so having that consistent brand message across is really important throughout the whole corporation. Actually, we had an interesting experience. Uh, I gave a presentation on our book to a group of 25 CMOs in um, the last uh, ANA, the Association of National Advertising meeting. Mm -hmm. And uh, after presenting it, uh, the, and remember, the theme for a book is beyond advertising. And beyond advertising means primarily that you want to reach consumer not only through the traditional media, but rather through all touch points. Yeah. And that's really the, the, key, the key change. So uh, basically, one of the CMOs in the room said, uh, uh, we're the wrong audience for you. So I said, how come? <laughs> uh, you're the marketing you know, the head. So he said, no, this is really a call for CEOs. Because fundamentally, no CMO or no one in the organization other than the head of a business unit or the CEO have control over all touch points. Because in our view, and the key, one of the key messages of the book is that to try to reach consumers effectively, you have to reach them not only through the traditional advertising media, but also through the package design, product design, yeah. store design, call center interactions, any point of interaction a consumer has with the brand. Unfortunately, the way corporations are organized, they're organized by silos. So the marketing person has no control over the, the, the product sure. or even over the price or even over the distribution, which is different people. Let alone customer service. Right. So the idea <laughs> here <laughs> is, and exactly, and that's part of the problem. So that's where you need the primarily to ability to reach all of them and bridge the silos. So that's the reason our, the, back to your original question. So our audience is really uh, ideally CEOs, CEOs, heads of business units, but it's a must to marketing, mass to advertising, mass for some of the other units that 
uh, um, Catherine was talking about, to basically have to interact and provide this, like the CTO, the, the human resource, and others. And, and it also, in some respects, it sounds like it just reinforces another kind of theme we've had on this show from time to time, is the fact that the role of the CEO has changed in the last decade. It's no longer the CEO can sit up in the ivory tower Mm -hmm. and kind of just oversee everything. The CEO has to make visits to the mailroom and and down to the marketing and and Mm -hmm. meet the, you know, that person, whoever he or she is, has to be multifaceted more so than ever before Mm -hmm. because of, in looking at the maps of the touch points that you put in there, Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it, not only just the personal, but the social media and the media Mm -hmm. and and the stores, you know, there's... There's so many pieces of the puzzle these days. Right. And in fact, it's it's um, in one of the chief marketing officers that we had on one of our Marketing Matters radio show recently um, was talking about exactly that phenomenon, that they she was brought in to do a sort of a rebranding exercise. The, yeah. the, it was in the financial services arena, and things have been changing so much that they realized um, how they communicated about their products and services to their customers had to really change dramatically. Um, but this was clearly very quickly not just an exercise for the marketing department. Right. It literally was um, a re-energizing, a re-examination of the entire corporation. And right. so to your point, the CEO was on board from the very beginning so that the whole corporation was going through this, not just sort of this external marketing, put it on at the end to make it go sell. But that's that's an issue, interesting point to bring up because you guys kind of allude to in the book the fact that as we sit here right now in 2016 – not every company is ready to kind of embrace mm-hmm. everything that that they need to over the next ten to fifteen years to be successful. Absolutely, and uh, we actually suggest in the book what they should do about it and yeah. how they should transform themselves. But let me go back to your original question in terms of the audience, because the audience is not only the corporate world. Uh, mm-hmm. So we discuss it within the corporate world. Obviously, we have to read the CEO, the sure. key decision makers, business unit heads, marketing, advertising, and so on. But the, one of the key findings, in addition to the beyond advertising, is that to be effectively, what you have to do is really to align the objective of the brand, the consumers, and society. And increasingly, the millennials today are looking primarily for companies that are doing well. They're basically trying to help solve society's problems. Yeah. So the book, in a sense, is a guideline to also public policy decision makers in terms of how to deal with the whole advertising and the issues related to advertising, deceptive advertising, you know, kind yeah. of, and issues such as ad blockers and others. Deceptive advertising? That, that goes on? I can't believe that. that Hard to believe. Marketers would be deceptive. Hard to believe. You know, <laughs> the same way that there is still greed out there, there is deceptive <laughs> advertising. Hopefully the, the book will, will kind of uh, encourage people to avoid it and to move and provide the type of advertising we're recommending, which is basically respectful and relevant for the consumers. But also the consumers is, keep in mind, every one of us is a consumer. And we actually, in the book, rarely use the term consumer. We talk about people. Because we don't want to focus only on the uh, role of consumption that a consumer has, but rather on people in general. So any enlightened kind of uh, person out there uh, can benefit from the book. Especially in today's environment, we're dealing with the 
pre-election and when you see all these terrible ads and what's happening in the election area, hopefully the book will provide guidelines for the the uh, enlightened citizen out there to say, wow, we really reject, we don't want this type of negative ads that's going out there. Why can't they kind of move toward the type of ad we recommend in the book? So, uh, so we're at a, a point now where not only do the consumers have uh, as much information, in some cases more information than the, than the people that are doing the marketing, sometimes, in many cases, the consumers understand it. Even mm-hmm. better right. than, than the marketers as well. And I think in addition to them having sort of more information, they also have higher expectations. I think that's part of what sure. we're trying to say yeah. in this. Uh, the new model that we're putting forward is was really intended to sort of look ahead on the horizon, see what these uh, forces of change are, yeah. and put together sort of this uh, design for what um, advertising and marketing could and should be for the future, such that people don't think about it as deceptive, as, as in many cases they should today. Um, but instead that it's something that is actually welcomed. It's seen as a gift and something that is actually creating value in their lives. And that's why the subtitle of the book is Creating Value Through All Touch Points. So at the intersection of the brand and people, good things are happening, and that's seen as a positive, which isn't the way that it is now, but there's a lot of brands who are who are definitely paving the way and, and thinking about it. You even talk about the the, the shifts in the book, and, and we're talking with uh, Catherine uh, Hayes and Jerry Wynn of the Wharton School. Their book, by the way, uh, which is really a fascinating book to go through, Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touchpoints. You even set down the, the changes that we're seeing in terms of the vocabulary. That, that that is being used and needs to be used in terms of this change beyond advertising going forward. Exactly. In fact, that was one of the key things that we found coming out of it is that um, Jerry has done a tremendous amount of work in the area of mental models or mindsets. You yeah. asked before about what's ho- sort of holding people back from it. Um, and there's a lot of negative ways that people think about advertising and for good reason. Yeah. As Jerry said, one of the, one of the terms is... Um, target. Uh, he was talking about the consumer, really, which thinks sees a person through only one lens. Yeah. How much of my product does somebody consume? But that totally ignores the rest of them in terms of their lives, their communities, their aspirations, where they're going, yeah. and for brands to get on board with that. So one of the terms is that. The other, the other term that we really love is this notion of target marketing, <laughs> which you can imagine, we think about this individual with a bullseye yeah. on their forehead. A little overplayed. And you see it in presentations all the time. And we think that if you get away from that but and think about it more as value creation, words matter. Using different vocabulary can change behaviors. It's a great opportunity for you, the listeners, to call in and uh, a lot of small business owners out there. Uh, if you have a question, you're more than welcome to give us a call at 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866. We're talking about the, the changes that we'll be seeing in marketing and advertising over the next several decades with Jerry Wind and Catherine Hayes here of the Wharton School. Uh, I guess for some companies that have had success for a, a long period of time, the old term, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, still plays plays a role in this. Well, unfortunately, and uh, but keep in mind the interesting statistics. Of the 500 companies who were on the Fortune 500 in 1955, only 12%, 12% are still on the Fortune 500 today. Hmm. Suggesting that all these legacy companies who felt very comfortable with what they were doing yeah. are doomed unless they're going to start experimenting seriously with new way of, of doing things. And... Um, 
The environment has changed so dramatically. The business models have been changing. So no one can just continue doing what they're doing. They continuously have to start experimenting with new approaches and take advantage of some of the changes that, that's happening out there, like the development in artificial intelligence uh, or cognitive computing, the development in virtual reality and augmented reality, uh, the changes in the empowered and skeptical consumers. Uh, you have to adjust to the times. And uh, while you're talking about really decades ahead, we're kind of a little more modest. We don't try to predict or right. suggest what will happen decades ahead. But we're really, the, the whole book is really based on insights from over 200 thought leaders in the advertising and marketing area, answering the two questions that Catherine were alluding to, which is uh, asking them what could or should advertising be by 2020 and what should we do today to try to get there. So the book is really primarily based on this and other research we have done provide very explicit guidelines for the small business listeners and yep. to others in terms of how to create effective advertising. And from what I understand, that's a, that's a project that Advertising 2020 is a project that, that you guys are working on, uh, even as we're speaking? Correct. Yeah, that was really the foundation for the book. Yeah. Um, so we did ask these these two questions. So it was intentionally aspirational as opposed to sort of what could, should it be, as opposed yeah. to what will it be. So it wasn't, wasn't trying to be predictive. So it was really trying to imagine what's the best that it could be, which is sort of this notion of value creation. Um, and we started that a couple of years back, actually back in 2012. So we had over 200 thought leaders from 22 countries around the world weigh in on that question, 1,000 word or less essays from all sorts of different Vantage points. So mm -hmm. we had um, certainly people within agencies, we had marketers, we had cultural anthropologists, we have technologists, people who looked uh, about mobile technologies, as Jerry was saying, artificial intelligence. And so really the book is a culmination of, of wrestling together those concepts into this framework and sort of roadmap um, that, that consolidates that into, I think, what we found to be sort of um, a compelling notion that says to people, why should I change? I've always done it this way. And it's worked for me to instead say things are changing so drastically so dramatically you must change and you must start now could, could we even see uh, playing off of what you just said a second ago i mean the fortune 500 company that exists right now all those companies i mean we could literally we could see a shift in who's mm -hmm. amongst that group but, in, in the next few years. And actually, the, the, encouraging, the encouraging note there is that some of the more advanced companies who are kind of the, the newer companies, the Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, uh, they're continuously experimenting with new things. They're continuously also buying yeah. you know, basically new companies in new areas. So basically, uh, you know, basically they buy capabilities in the area of analytics, in the area of artificial intelligence and other. They realize that the world is changing so fast that either they can develop the capabilities internally or they have to acquire them or they can basically go into open innovation and try to get some of this competence from the outside. But they cannot just continue doing so if these, the kind of the, the stars today, what mm -hmm. the, the very often called also the Aqua Four, the, the Apple, Google, Facebook, and sure, Amazon, yep, yep. Uh, and companies such as IBM that's also reinventing itself continuously, if these companies are continuously experimenting with new things they like, then definitely the old legacy companies out there cannot just continue doing what they're doing. In fact, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Jerry brought up the example of IBM and how they've evolved their business model and what they've been doing over the last couple of years 
has been really fascinating. I think a great insight into it. So they were very much part of uh, consulting with companies about their infrastructure and how they support that from a technology perspective. They've moved very aggressively into the whole area of advertising and marketing. They now have an advertising and marketing arm, and they're going head-to-head with the major advertising agencies because this question goes at the core of how companies comport themselves, how they're organized, how they're uh, orchestrating themselves across all the different disciplines to have a very different relationship with the customer. And so the fact that a company like IBM is going in that direction should be a wake-up call for people that says this goes to the heart of how businesses operate. Let me give you one other quick example on IBM. Um, uh, Last year, the, the biggest event in advertising is the Cannes Lions. Mm-hmm. which is uh, an annual event that brings like 12,000 advertisers together. And uh, it's the, the place for award and everything else. Mm-hmm. And last year, last July or June, I presented, I had a session there presenting together with a senior, kind of a very senior executive from IBM, mm-hmm. Saul Berman. We presented a theme and a session on advertising at the age of Watson. So oh, they're yeah. wor- they're working together with us, and we're actually working with them on the whole idea of how do you use Watson cognitive computing with advertising, and what are the implications. So they're definitely at the forefront on trying to experiment with new approaches. So definitely, every one of our listeners should start asking the question, "What can I do?" Well, it, it is interesting that that, and just thinking of a, a couple of of companies as examples that I see, mm-hmm. you know, in in the course of my day. Well, and one that's obviously been a big story lately is Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Yahoo, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, one of the premier companies in terms of internet search and such like that, and how they have kind of, they have fallen way behind mm-hmm. because of maybe not taking the approach that, that needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that that seemingly is a company right now that's so kind of going in 15 different directions, they don't know where the path is to, to really reach the customer in, mm-hmm. in all those touch points that you talk about. Right. And one of the beauty, I think, of the book and the, the findings from our research is that we do provide a very explicit uh, direction what to do, a real roadmap. And uh, I'll, I'll throw, you know, kind of one of the kind of the key findings in terms of acronym of RAVES. Yeah. Was, yep. So it's not only that uh, we expect kind of the consumer RAVES uh, or uh, for what we're doing, but it's that any advertising or any message or any offering should be respectful of the individual that aimed at and relevant. It should be actionable. It should be valuable and valuable not only cognitively, but also emotionally. And it should be experiential, and it should have a surprise, a shareable story. So it's not enough. People have been talking for for years about advertising. What is the story? But it's not enough to have a story. You want to have a story that will motivate the consumer yeah. to share it with others. So if you follow the Raves model, it's a simple guideline for your advertising. You can improve enormously what you're doing. And uh, it's not theoretical. It's very practical. It, there is a lot of theory behind it that suggests why it is the right thing to do. But every one of the listeners, we're running a business, next advertising, just check it against the criteria of the raves. And if you, you know, if it fits, you have a better chance of doing it. Then try various variations, different executions along this line, and experiment, experiment, experiment. It is interesting because content is just content is king right now. I, I, I mean, you think of any company. They have to have some level of video. Facebook, Mm -hmm. Facebook itself, with with what they've done with video content. Twitter signing a deal with the National Football League to make sure that Mm -hmm. they have football games Mm -hmm. on Twitter, streamed Mm -hmm. on Twitter. It's all about content, which means you have to 
followed those guidelines. Well, it's it's there is an explosion of content. I mean, it, it, there's no question about it. And that's why um, the acronym that Jerry shared is so critical, because there is so much content. Yeah. People are overwhelmed. And unless that content is good content, it's relevant, it's respectful, it's where people want to have it, when they want to have it. Yeah. It's not just a question of reaching frequency anymore. You can't just be beating people over the head. You have to give them something that they need when they need it. The other thing that I I would say that, and, and one of the things we talk about in the book is that maybe you just can't uh, have a coronation on either content or context. We think it's got to be both. Okay. Because if you think about um, devices, if you think about the way that people can communicate, um, whether it's through, you know, it's it's very different whether it's your your um, cell phone, your mobile device, uh, uh, that you keep with you 24-7, that you wake up with, that you, it's the last thing you see before you go yes, to bed. We do. all do. And that's a very personal device. That's very different than what's on a television where it's common viewing. Um, that's very different than an event that people go to. Yeah. So the inv- the context is really important, and we, we have another acronym for that yeah. um, that I wanted to share called MAIDS. And um, it's, it's really trying to think about the context in as rich a way as you can. So the M stands for multi-sensory, not just thinking of it as visual, but all the other, um, you know, the, the sense, the touch um, uh, maids. It's it's uh, the audience, what's going on with that person at that particular point in time, who yeah. are they with, what mood are they in. There's technologies now that help us to do voice recognition to understand how a person oh, yeah. is feeling at that particular point in time yep. so that you can be delivering content that's relevant to that. I mentioned uh, the delivery mechanism. It's a device. It's an event. It's it's a television show. What, so what is the context that way? Is it a magazine? Yeah. E is uh, for this exceptional experience that it's got to be something that people love. And then finally, it's got to be synergistic with all the other touch points. It's it's a great book. It's it's a great book for a lot of people and a lot of companies to pick up. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks so much. Great it's to meet been, you. It's been wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Beyond Advertising is the book. Jerry Wynn, Catherine Hayes. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.